Welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and this podcast series is about demystifying women's hormonal issues and struggles and the dance of everything in between. I'm super excited about today's episode because I have a lovely guest, and I am honored to say she is a client of mine, and we started working together early February after an email that I received from Lovely Grace early one morning. I usually get emails written to me late in the evening and receive them by early morning. I think the witching hours between about 10 and one o'clock, people put together their emails inquiring about my services and seeing if I can actually help them. So I asked Grace to be on the show because I find her journey exemplifies what so many young women are going through today. And the title of today's podcast is Grace's Journey, A Roller Coaster Ride with PCOS. So Grace's story is incredibly relatable because I think many of you listeners that have gone through the challenges of PCOS have kind of hit so many obstacles and bumps in the road working with your conventional doctor. And conventional treatment for PCOS is birth control and maybe combining that with metformin to address insulin resistance and maybe spironolactin to address the acne. And then what tumbles into the picture is maybe Zoloft or Celexa to deal with depression and anxiety. So at this point, I would love to invite um, my guest, Grace. And Grace, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. Yeah, thank you for having me. So Grace, tell us your journey. Right now you turned 23. Mm-hmm. You're going to be going to Bastyr. You're doing a grad program. You're going to get your master's in clinical psychology. I think you're going to be an incredible, incredible therapist. And you are presently a yoga teacher. So I want you to share when you started having problems, the onset of your cycles at the age of 12, and you started off with some pretty horrific cycles and moved on to birth control by the age of 15. So share your story. Yeah, of course. So from the start of my cycle, I was very irregular. I think I got my first period at around 14 or 15. And from the beginning, it was really painful I would miss periods. I think I maybe got one period and then didn't get periods for years. So I started seeing a gynecologist who wanted to put me on birth control, but my mom was really hesitant because I was maybe 14 and I had no idea even what birth control was or what it would do to my body. But I ended up getting on it at around 15 or 16 because my cramps were just unbearable and I would miss school because of it. So it was becoming a real concern for me and my family. And so I was on it for about three or four years. And then when I was 18, I kind of started forming ideas of health of my own and was a little skeptical about it. So I decided to just quit the hormonal birth control pills, cold turkey, but I did so without any professional help or support. So And I didn't make any lifestyle changes either. I just kind of stopped taking the pills and I thought that would help me. (laughs) But as a result, I didn't get my period for about a year and a half. And then time came where I was like, this is getting a bit concerning. I haven't had a menstrual cycle in over a year. So I went back to my gynecologist. I actually sought help from a new gynecologist who was suggested to me. 
by a friend. And that was about age 20. And I told her what had happened and how I wasn't having periods. And she kind of got the inclination that maybe I had PCOS. So I got a ultrasound, which showed ovarian cyst or polycystic ovarian. Yeah, you had cysts on your ovaries. <laughs> I had yeah. cysts on my ovaries. Multiple cysts. Multiple cysts. And that was at about age 20. And she told me the only treatment would be birth control. And I was really hesitant to get back on it. And I just kind of surrendered out of fear of the things that were being waved at me, telling me that I'd be more susceptible to getting ovarian cysts, that I'd be more susceptible to some sorts of cancers and then a potentially infertility down the road. That's a lovely scenario. Yeah, exactly. So I wasn't really given many options and I just kind of surrendered to it and was like, well, I guess this is my only thing I can do. But then after some months of being on birth control and just kind of accepting my new reality, I started researching alternatives because from the start, I really wasn't a huge proponent of hormonal birth control pills. And I discovered some things I was reading saying you could change how you're eating and lifestyle and adding certain supplements into your life. So I went to my gynecologist to talk to her about this. And she told me that's only for typical PCOS cases and that which I am not, she said. She said. And why did she say you were atypical? She said that a typical case would be a woman who eats unhealthily and is overweight. And (laughs) exactly. But the funny, the funnier part about all this is that she never once asked me about my diet. <laughs> well, people make the assumption that if you're lean, you must be eating well. Mm-hmm. And that isn't true. And people make the assumption with people that are overweight with PCOS that they're eating a lot of crap mm-hmm. and carbs. That's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But the, one of the factors, and I'll go into more detail, a big one with PCOS is insulin resistance. Insulin drives the ovaries to produce excess androgens, specifically testosterone. And what this does, it interferes with a woman's ability to ovulate. So what insulin resistance is, it's when the body cells, for whatever reason, start becoming numb to insulin. Insulin allows glucose into the cells. And you can be insulin resistant and lean like yourself. And some people don't have full insulin resistance. And I always feel that insulin resistance plays a role in it. There are a variety of factors such as elevated androgens due to stress and cortisol can be a contributing factor. But most classic PCOS that I see is has a lot to do with insulin resistance, a leaky gut, and inflammation. Mm. And I would say 95% of the women that I work with have something going on with their guts. And I'd like to talk about that with you because when you came in to see me, Grace, you were having issues with, you started having constipation, diarrhea, but more so constipation about a year ago, correct? Mm -hmm. And were you, you were having bloat. Yes. When you were having, this is a, a sign of when I work with women, I see a lot of SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And one of the symptoms of that is that women will wake up in the morning with a flat belly, but by the time they go to bed at night, their tummies are kind of bloated mm. or they can have bloat throughout the day. And the symptom for you, you were having that waking up with a flatter belly and bloated in the evening. Definitely. And- I'm I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I will jump back, is that certain foods can really aggravate that too. 
So that was part of the picture. And that's a big part of the picture that I see with most women, whether it be PCOS or uh, PMS or fibroids, endometriosis, I see gut involvement. The gut is the epicenter mm. for, for women and, and their health. So that's a big part of the picture. So you have that cocktail of insulin resistance, and then you have those gut issues. How long were you having issues with digestion in your gut? You know, it's hard to pinpoint, but I really feel like I had accepted for so long my digestive experience, really. I accepted it as a reality and as normal. I mean, I used to go, I mean, I would really say three or four years, I would go days without pooping and thought that was normal. <laughs> now it's laughable, but before I really thought it was normal. Yeah. So when you were around 12 years old, when you started having your menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. were you having gut issues back then? You know, it's so hard. People it's don't hard. even know they're constipated. It just is the norm. But did you, and I, I can't remember, did we talk, did you have, let me just take a look at your notes here. Yeah. So when you were a child, you had strep. Mm -hmm, a lot. And you had a lot of antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So what I look at with women is there a history? Was there a history of antibiotics? Mm -hmm. Is there a current history? A lot of women come in, they've got UTIs and vaginal infections. But your microbiome is such an important aspect of your hormones. And if your microbiome was trashed by being on antibiotics, I mean, the problem with antibiotics, they kill the good and the bad bacteria, but it's also wiping out your, your microbiome. And when your microbiome is compromised, you don't have enough good bacteria in the gut. So there can be an overgrowth of bad bacteria, or you can get bacteria that encroaches up into the small intestine. And that's the area where we absorb our nutrients. So looking at this, as I do with clients, I look at where did things start? And for many women like yourself, it started with a history of antibiotics when they were younger. And when did you start noticing any anxiety or depression? Probably two or three years ago, I started noticing it. Um, but then when I've been digging deeper, I noticed that there were strands of it throughout childhood, but really around the time of when I was diagnosed with PCOS. And I think a lot of it was correlated, even though I didn't connect the dots, just of being, feeling like a victim to this ailment that I was just going to have to deal with my whole life. So... Let's start with how we started working together. Mm -hmm. So when you came in to see me in February, you had a lot of gas and bloat, mm -hmm. incredibly constipated. The last menstrual cycle you had, how long had it been? So before coming to see you, what really pushed me to coming to see you, I've always been mm -hmm. interested in a holistic journey of healing, but the last or final straw for me with my more conventional doctor was that I stopped getting menstrual periods even on the birth control pill. So I hadn't had a period since September of 2019 before I came and saw you in February of 2020. And that was even on birth control. So in January of 2020, I decided to take myself off the pill, but I knew that from my past experience, I needed to do so with the help of a professional. And so right. that's why I'm so blessed I found you. <laughs> So we started, and when I look at whether it be PCOS or endometriosis or PMS or anxiety, I want to get to the root. Mm -hmm. I want to get to the bottom of it. And I 
feel that with you, with PCOS a lot, there's a, a genetic weak link in the chain. And if there's, was there a history of anyone in the family with diabetes? My father has di- type 2 diabetes. Type 2, your father's two type diabetic. So what I felt the first thing that we needed to take a look at and address was the fact that you were constipated and you were having constant gas and bloat. Mm-hmm. And my focus with you is I don't chase symptoms. I want to get to the root. So I figured the epicenter of everything is working with the gut. And if we get your gut to work efficiently, we can start getting you to detoxify hormones efficiently. Because the issue with PCOS is that women are estrogen dominant. There is this signaling for the body to ovulate. It just doesn't happen. So you get this overabundance of uh, estrogen. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure, and because you're not ovulating, you don't have the production of progesterone at the second half of the cycle that balances out estrogen. So what we want, want to do, which is very important, is make sure that your microbiome is really healthy. But I want to make sure that your gut has healthy bacteria to help you detoxify estrogens mm-hmm. efficiently. And that is significantly important. And also, if you're constipated, you're going to be recirculating estrogens in your system. Your body's going to reabsorb that because you're, not, you're unable to eliminate it. And... If you're getting gas and bloat, and that's also letting me know that you're having, you're not digesting your food efficiently. And just from the symptoms that you were having, I surmise that you had SIBO and we put you on a FODMAP program. And a FODMAP program is eliminating foods that contribute to that gas and bloat that we can eventually put back into your diet once we clean it up. And what we did is I put you on a couple of products. One had berberine in it. Berberine is also great for insulin resistance, but it's also wonderful for cleaning up the gut. And I also put you on a, another product that had thyme and oregano on it, in it and um, lemon balm. And we had you on that for two months with uh, digestive enzymes and put you on a specific probiotic to address SIBO and leaky gut. And when did you start noticing a difference? And I'll go into your diet in a moment too. Yeah, it was cool because when I first came to see you, I was like, kind of saw constipation and bloat and inflammation as a separate issue from my PCOS. And then having the dots connected was really helpful because we started by tackling that in my health and digestion, which then brought about my first natural cycle that I in three years or maybe four years, probably more. (laughs) It brought about um, huge menstrual changes, but it started by tackling issues that I never saw as connected. And I mean, I saw results within four weeks, maybe even two weeks of regular acupuncture, limiting certain things from my diet. And my digestion was the best it's been in the longest time, I now recognize what is a regular digestion throughout the day. So what we did during this time on a FODMAP diet, if people are not familiar, it's a diet that helps to allow the the body to heal from small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And right now for Grace, that was also eliminating, believe it or not, a lot of cruciferous vegetables. So we limited certain vegetables and 
you're able to have as much protein as you wanted or any type of protein. And we I put you on an anti-inflammatory diet that we also cut out gluten and dairy and amongst other things. And in cleaning up your diet, putting you on an anti-inflammatory FOD diet, it really made a difference. And you started having regular bowel movements with also we introduced magnesium citrate, which I do in the beginning when people are constipated because it really helps in, in promoting regular bowel movement with digestive enzymes. Mm. And I was taking all of those supplements and changing my diet and seeing results so quickly that now if I take magnesium citrate, it would really wreck my stomach. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we took you off magnesium citrate. It wasn't necessary. That yeah. was an exciting day for me though to see that like I could healthily pass bowel without having this aid. Well, good. You were starting to, uh, your digestion was starting to uh, kick in and do what it does so well. Yeah. And I think also what we did, and, I, and, and I, I've said that this to you in the past uh, few weeks, is that your body composition has changed. You actually have more lean mass. Mm. And can you share with the audience how you were eating prior to seeing me? Definitely. One of my biggest hesitations when I started to see you is having to incorporate a lot more meat into my diet. And fish. And fish. Before I was, I had gone through bouts of being vegetarian and then pescatarian, but I definitely wasn't eating enough protein in my day to day. I think you told me I should be eating about 20 to 30 grams of protein with every meal. And mm -hmm. I think on a good day before seeing you, I was having 20 <laughs> to 30 in one day. <laughs> so yeah, definitely I had a very high veggie diet, high carb, high veggie, and was neglecting the protein before I really accepted like headaches and brain fog and a little bit of lightheadedness as something that was very normal and just something that I would deal with. And now I'm recognizing how healthy I can really feel in my day to day. And I was definitely lacking protein and fuel for my body, which was challenging at first because I have hesitations against eating meat. But like you so kindly suggested, just see it as something that's really nurturing and helping me to heal and almost saying a little blessing over each meal and thanking the animals that went into it and the hands that went into it. That's something I've been incorporating a lot is blessing each meal and like expressing gratitude for every farmer, every cultivator, every grocery store worker, every animal that's in it. And that's really been helping. Well, I think the challenge for many women today is incorporating animal and fish protein. But what I do find with women that have polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's very challenging to be vegetarian or vegan. You're missing out on a lot of nutrients. And also it's a more carb-based diet. And what I feel is really necessary for women is to have a low glycemic diet. We don't want to do anything that's going to really start playing or highlighting too much insulin. And by putting you on a lower glycemic, healthy, basically a Mediterranean Asian diet, mm. you know, getting a lot of greens. And I prefer cooked greens. That's part of my Chinese you know, training in Chinese medicine where it's very difficult to digest raw. So particularly in the beginning in working with most of the women that I see, there's their guts are compromised. So starting with soups and stews are just so powerful. And to actually start your morning with a soup or stew, it's very different for us living in the States. We're used to a breakfast of like toast and jam or maybe 
you know, toast with avocado, but we need the protein and we need to start regulating our blood sugar and insulin levels. And the best way to do that is with food. And I'm going to talk about some other supplements that address insulin resistance and hormone signaling, but the foundation for everything is food. And the foundation also is to make sure that whatever you eat, you're assimilating, whatever you're assimilating, that you're eliminating efficiently. That when you eliminate, you know, that you're able to have proper digestion and proper uh, amounts of good bacteria in the gut that allow you to have a healthy microbiome and also to have healthy genetic expression. The microbiome is important on so many levels, but making sure that you're eating right, assimilating and eliminating is the first step with anyone that I'm working with. I don't care if they're having skin rashes or autoimmune, putting that into place is really significant because once you do, and anything else I introduce, your body's gonna be able to absorb those nutrients. Mm. And you were really great about making those changes in your diet. I mean, what's a typical breakfast for you now? Yeah, it's funny. When you suggested that I should be having a nice stewy breakfast of protein and high in veggies, I was really turned off by the idea and it kind of became a joke for me. I mean, I would send a picture to my friends, me and my breakfast soup, kind of laughing at the fact that I had to do so. But now I can't imagine not having breakfast soup. In fact, I stayed the night with my mom the other day and we, I didn't have my breakfast soup and I was like, this feels so wrong. And it just doesn't feel as nurturing. So for example, today I had a nice soup of chicken broth with turkey breast sliced up, a big head of kale chopped up nice and fine, green beans, carrots, onion, lemon and ginger, and a bunch of herbs thrown in the mix. And it was, it's just so nourishing and it helps. You You look different. You look (laughs) great. You You really do. You do. So what I love about getting women to get excited about food is that creating a healthy relationship with food now in your life. And as you address, you know, this PCOS syndrome or insulin resistance and, and, and leaky gut, as we are doing, you're becoming a good mother to yourself. You know, I was talking with someone the other day about working with women and preconception, and I'm going to go into something in a little bit about the phases of the cycle and elaborate more on that metaphorically. But preconception to me, working with women, doesn't start three months before they decide to have a child. It actually starts as early as possible after they start to menstruate. So I see a lot of young women in their teens and their 20s, and it gets me really excited that I can start addressing these issues now, but implement, help them implement healthy lifestyle choices. You know, eating a diet that is really balanced, having the right supplements, and making sure that they're cooking and taking care of themselves 80% of the time, that's really the key. So when they do decide to have children, it is not an issue. Another point that I would like to to bring up is that, you know, women that have PCOS usually have, before they get a proper diagnosis, they've been on birth control for quite some time. The problem with birth control is that, and it depletes women of folate, 
of B2, of B6, B12, vitamin C, E, selenium, zinc, and magnesium. And guess what? You need that to have a healthy menstrual cycle. If you couple the pill with the standard American diet, it's creating a cocktail actually for PMS. Mm. And I think not setting women on the right path that are having issues with PCOS because when a woman is on birth control, she's not having a period. She's having a chemically induced bleed that mimics a cycle. And the reason a woman bleeds at, uh, you know, at the end of 28 days or should, and sometimes they don't as you didn't, is because the hormones, uh, the synthetic hormones are diminished in the last seven days of the cycle. So the woman sheds and has a bleed. So why do you think some doctors suggest birth control pills for (laughs) treating PCOS? Because it's part of their training and the docs that it's a conventional approach. It's a traditional approach. When women have menstrual cramps, they recommend, you know, taking Advil or, or an NSAID. And For example, when I look at women with cramps, I look at, well, what nutrients are they deficient in? Are they deficient in magnesium? Are they deficient in B vitamins? You know, are they deficient in essential fatty acids? So to answer your question, that's their training. You treat the symptom, but it doesn't get to the root cause. Conventional medicine does not look at the root cause for issues. Why do you have PCOS? Why are you having acne? Why are you constipated? You can give you Miralax for this, the pill for that. So there are a lot of docs out there like uh, Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Christine Northrup, lovely uh, Dr. Jolene Brighton. I just love her. I don't know how, but I just discovered her in the past few months. And I just think she's such a delight. And I'm so glad that her voice is strong and is out there. And I think there are practitioners like myself were trying to echo that voice that women can do things to address their cycles. So conventional doctors, that's just not part of their training. So someone like myself, I look at, I look for root cause. Mm. I look at how do I help you have healthy hormone signaling? Well, look at, I look at your diet. I look at your gut. And then how do I support that by introducing certain supplements that help with insulin resistance and making sure anyone, anyone who's on the pill and, um, and you don't want to go off the pill. And, and it may not necessarily be that you have PCOS, but I do want to put out there very strongly. And that's what today's conversation is about. Birth control pill will never, ever, ever resolve polycystic ovarian syndrome. You will never, ever ovulate being on birth control And it is not how to address the issue. It actually makes it worse. So if other women are choosing to stay on birth control because they are comfortable with that, then I'm going to highly recommend you take a really good phytomultivitamin with a lot of minerals and methylated B12 and methylated B6 and take a B complex and magnesium and make sure that you are on a good, good probiotic and taking vitamin D. These things are crucial. But regarding PCOS, my favorite and that I've been using for a long time is, for example, myo-inositol. I have you on a myo-inositol with uh, magnesium. That's what Cenitol is. I love it. It's a great product. Myo-inositol, 
decreases androgens. It decreases testosterone, uh, increases insulin sensitivity, promotes ovulation, improves A quality. And that's really profound. I also make sure that all women are on magnesium. Magnesium improves insulin uh, sensitivity, aids in detoxification of excess estrogens. It diminishes anxiety and depression. And what I see so frequently with PMS and women on birth control is anxiety and depression because your body's not producing progesterone. And I'll go into that a little further, but progesterone is a very soothing, soothing, wonderful hormone that's important in holding a pregnancy, but also produced at the second half of your cycle, but it balances estrogen. Chromium picolinate. Chromium picolinate, it helps reduce blood sugar and insulin levels. And I put everyone on that. And I have different versions of that depending upon who I'm working with. But zinc is very important in lowering testosterone. That's why it's great for your skin. So zinc is fabulous for your skin and lowering testosterone and those high androgens that are associated with acne. And vitamin D, I can't say enough about D3. A lot of times women with PCOS will have elevated AMH levels, and that is the anti-malarian hormone. And that is an indication, uh, a marker for um, egg reserve. And when it's really super high, you'll see that with women with PCOS. Well, vitamin D levels or um, optimal D has been associated with lowering AMH. So this is very important for women that have PCOS and trying to are having fertility issues. Um, also, vitamin D increases insulin sensitivity. It reduces triglycerides. It improves your cholesterol profile. I cannot say enough about D3. And right now, in light of all of us dealing with uh, COVID-19, D is a very, very, very important vitamin. So optimal levels of D, again, I think I've probably said it in every show, but I, I can't say it enough. Make sure you're between 50 and 70. I think that's really what we want to aim for. Chaseberry, love chaseberry. Chaseberry is a beautiful adaptogenic herb, and it helps to regulate the pituitary gland, which in turn sends signals to the ovaries promoting ovulation. And it also helps promote the production of progesterone, and it balances testosterone. So chaseberry is just one of those herbal formulas. Sometimes I recommend 400 twice daily to 500 milligrams twice daily. It's great because it helps with PCOS and cysts and acne and PMS. It helps to regulate your hormones or support that in conjunction with your diet and having a healthy microbiome. All these things are on that continuum to create healthy uh, hormones. Another one that I really, a couple more that I really, really, really love is NAC, N-O-cysteine. It's an amino acid that improves uh, insulin levels by addressing insulin resistance. It supports ovulation, enhances A quality. It also helps to reduce homocysteine levels. And we see that a lot with women with PCOS. And the problem that the pattern that I see a lot of times women will come in and they're on metformin. Well, the problem with metformin 
It's there to help address insulin resistance, but it also can increase your homocysteine levels. So it kind of seems counterintuitive. That's why I like NAC. It's really great for that. And again, berberine, great for gut inflammation, bacterial overgrowth, lowers testosterone, improves insulin sensitivity. And another product or another supplement that I really, and I, Grace and I talked about it the other day, it is a sulforaphane and it is derived from the seeds of broccoli. I think it's even the, the sprouted seeds of broccoli. What it does, it helps to support detoxification and it helps to clear estrogens in phase one and phase two of liver detoxification. And it works better than DIM. And um, that is something that I will probably be recommending on a regular basis. It's anti-cancer. It's anti-tumor. It's good for cervical dysplasia. Again, clearing of estrogens because anyone with PCOS, you run the risk of being estrogen dominant. And that leaves you susceptible to uh, forms of uh, estrogen cancer. And I want to make sure that we're clearing those estrogens efficiently. I don't do this to scare people, but I think it's really important for everyone to know. Um, and birth control pills, sadly, are high in synthetic hormones. And that's another thing that I look to clear when I'm helping people detox. And sephoraphane is a beautiful supplement compound that really helps in the clearing of, of estrogens. So, you know, you have, do you have any questions so far? Because I wanted to talk about the yeah. different phases of the cycle, but I would love to well, that, get some. That was one question I did want to ask you is um, the four different phases of a woman's cycle. And then as you've been posting on your Instagram lately, and I've been loving talking about the energetics of each phase. <laughs> so much fun. You know, and I, I mentioned this a few minutes ago. I look at, I started working with women with fertility about 20 years ago. And I realized back then that the birthing of a child was a metaphor for what are the things that we can give birth to in our lives. So I would work with women, maybe four months, maybe a year, a little longer until they were able to go ahead and or go along and have a really healthy baby. And it's been quite an honor over the years to do that with women. But what the outcome of that for so many of these women, and I still get choked up, is that they started embracing their not just being a potential mother to a child, but being the best mother they could be to themselves, to really honoring the feminine, to listening, to going within and starting to listen to what is it that I need? What is it that I can gain? And what can I give birth to each and every month? Even if it's not a child right now, I'm preparing myself for that baby. But what can I do to give birth to an aspect of me that I never knew existed? Or I can continue in that growth. And this goes for all women. All women, I have to tell you, I miss having my menstrual cycle. I still miss my bleed. There are moments at, when, when I go to the bathroom and it's that time of month because I was incredibly regular. And I am like, oh yeah, I don't have a period. And I think, I'm hoping that uh, this explanation will explain why it's so beautiful to experience your cycle because it is a powerful tool and a powerful gift. And 
So when a woman has a natural cycle, she's going to have a natural ebb and flow to her estrogen, to her progesterone, and to her testosterone. So every month, we have the potential of birthing or giving birth to something within our lives. And what you can do that allow, and you know, this is a time where I say to women, what can you do that allows you to expand and to grow? And if we are made, I studied with Matthew Fox years ago. I was thinking of uh, probably about 15 years ago, um, going on to get my PhD in aspect of religious studies. And I had the honor to study with Matthew Fox. And Matthew Fox had written an incredible book about creativity. And what he said, and I will never forget this, um, if we are made in the image and likeness of the divine, if we have that spark of God consciousness within us, then it is innate in our nature and in our DNA to create. It's what gives us purpose in life, a sense of connection, a sense of being part of something bigger than oneself, also being part and being part of that bigness of life. And I actually think that COVID-19, part of what's going on right now can give us the opportunity to go more inward and ask, what is it that I need? How can I show up in the world? How can I be the best version of me in the world today so that I can bring about healing that emanates from me and extends out into the world? In Chinese medicine, your uterus is the small heart, and it extends and it connects to the larger heart. And the heart, the emotion associated with the heart is joy. It is passion. And the small heart, every month we have this opportunity to express our passion and compassion out into the world. And how do we want to go about that? So the first phase of your cycle is your menstrual bleed, and that's usually between day one and seven. And a healthy bleed is between three and seven days. And a healthy bleed is a bleed that doesn't have clots. So if you're clotting, I know there's some inflammatory stuff going on, but I just want to mention that. This is a time when you're, you're bleeding, you want to dial back on your workouts. It's not about doing power lifts and uh, doing, you know, marathons. It's a restorative time. It's a quieter time. It's a time of yoga. It's about walking. It's taking Epsom salt baths. It's about journaling. Maybe looking over the past month and seeing, you know, what are your intentions for the month ahead? What would you like to bring forth this month in your life? And phase two, which is considered the follicular phase, and that's around day eight to 13, and it's just after you menstruate and you enter this phase, your pituitary gland releases a hormone called the follicular stimulating hormone, which stimulates the follicles in the ovaries to mature, which contain eggs. And then guess what happens? Your estrogen and your testosterone starts to rise. And this is the time of month, you may be aware, that your energy starts to kick in in higher gear. Your sexual energy starts to rise as you approach ovulation. You kind of feel like you're rocking and rolling. There's a sense of power, a sense of being on top of things, a sense of confidence. It comes from the rise in estrogen too. So 
here is a time we can say, what can I potentially create this month and work towards in my life? Something that I could potentially give birth to. Second half of your cycle is the luteal phase. And this is where a lot of women get into trouble because the luteal phase, what starts happening between days, you know, 14 and 21, your estrogen and your testosterone just start to decline just a little. And your body starts producing progesterone. And progesterone is this very calming and soothing hormone. It's your natural Valium. And this is a time where we can bring ideas to form and we can start cultivating these ideas. The second half of the luteal phase, and that's probably day 22 to 28 or 21 to 28 or to 30, depending on the length of your cycle. This is an opportunity where we get to turn inward to cultivate ideas and focus on what we'd like to give form. During this time, we may feel more premenstrual and we may be more sensitive. We may feel more intuitive. And as I've mentioned, I think in, a, in one of my, uh, I think on a Instagram, it's a lifting of the veil. It's an opportunity for the psyche to, to connect with you. But also, this is the phase of the cycle that women start, PMS starts to kick in. 85% of women experience PMS. So if you like, what's going on during this cycle? It's about progesterone. And what happens with your progesterone, what happens that starts triggering PMS is that if your blood sugar is dipping and diving during the course of the month, you could actually be shunting progesterone down stress pathways because it's the precursor to cortisol. Now, for women that have polycystic ovarian syndrome, the whole goal is to get them to ovulate so they start producing that progesterone. So until that happens, I'm always regulating detoxification of estrogens. I'm always supporting with myo-inositol and chromium and, and vitamins and a good diet that proper hormone signaling, that diminishing insulin resistance, getting right insulin signaling and glucose signaling so that when a woman starts to have her period, she's not getting that PMS. But for most women who are ovulating, PMS is your progesterone being shunted down stress pathways, and that can be due to lifestyle and diet. So when you start feeling cranky and a little bitchy and you got cramps and your breast hurt, that's like, oh, let me take a moment here. Wow. I don't want to do this anymore. How can I do this differently? Hmm. Next cycle. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to the time of my bleed. I'm going to rest. I'm going to look at what are the foods that I'm eating? Can I eat a more whole food based diet? I'm going to speak to someone like Meg. I may speak to Meg. I'm going to have somebody help me with my nutrition and help me get on the right supplements. So eventually, I may not need them. I'm going to regulate my cycle because I want to feel the power that resides within me that can give birth to something so magnificent every day. Your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, your FSH, your LH, all those hormones totally rock. All you have to do is have them 
orchestrate a beautiful piece of music together. And what happens when you're on the pill, you stop and cut uh, signaling to the ovaries. So your brain and your ovaries don't communicate anymore. You don't ovulate. And women that are on birth control uh, or oral contraceptives, you don't have this ebb and flow because it's being dictated by synthetic hormones. So what I say to women, this may be a time for you to consider if you're having issues with birth control or if you're feeling depression or anxiety or you're tired of the bloat or you're tired of actually getting headaches and, and, and not feeling you, you may want to experience getting off birth control for a while. See what that's like. And um, for some women, and I totally understand if you don't want to get pregnant, I get that. But for some women, the benefits are very powerful and they're very necessary. And you may want to look at other things like a copper IUD. There are many other things that you can do that can help you get off birth control or at the very least allow yourself permission, get off birth control for six months and see how you feel. Because a lot of times when women are experiencing depression and anxiety and flatness, it's due to the synthetic progestins in birth control. And as Sarah Gottfried had said, and I said it before, and I think it's kind of funny, but it's the God's honest truth. She said, progestin should only be given to sex offenders because it just destroys your libido. And what is so ironic about birth control, I cannot tell you how many women I treat that have no libido and they're having vaginal dryness. And here you are on birth control to prevent a pregnancy, but your sex life sucks because you're not getting that proper flow of hormones and you're not feeling your mojo. I, I remember when I was in my 20s, I worked in, in magazines. I was an art director. I was, I was a designer. And I remember walking to work one day going, oh my God, I feel so magnificent and so on top of the world. And it was the eighth day or seventh day of my cycle. And it was my hormone surging. And I remember at times I would talk to some of the women in my office and I said, have you noticed that like the second to third week of your cycle, you just feel unbelievably awesome? And that's the beauty of estrogen and testosterone. No. Does that, so what do you feel I'm going on here? I get excited about this because no woman should have to experience PMS. Mm. Women with PCOS, you can resolve it. You can lose weight or you can achieve a healthy BMI. You can go on and have healthy babies without the assistance of right. IVF cycles for many yeah. of these women, putting them at risk for cancer. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful to really tap into the power of each phase in your cycle and just tapping into your cycle as a whole. And for me, this has been a big journey of seeing my cycle not as a burden, but something that's really beautiful. Because I think in our society and a lot of women, we do, we are socialized to see our menstrual cycle as a burden, as something it's like, oh, I yes. have my period this week and it debilitates you. But in reality, it's something you can step into and be really more powerful to step into your divine feminine in that way. I love that. And I will repeat it. It's about stepping into your divine feminine. Mm. That is beautiful. That is absolutely true. But 
we're not, we don't have that conversation. No. Your gynecologist doesn't have that conversation. Never. Maybe if you're Sarah Guy Godfrey, <laughs> right, you might. Right. But that's not part of their training. No. And I it makes me very sad. And I, I find as the years go on, I am so committed to um helping young women. And I work with women in fertility and perimenopause and menopause, but I'm feeling this strong calling to work with women in their teens in their early 20s because a lot of them are on antidepressants and they've been on birth control and then they're coupled with Adderall and you're not deficient in Adderall if you can't focus and you're not deficient in birth control if you have PMS or if you have polycystic ovarian syndrome and you know, birth control can make you depressed. Yeah. It can amplify it. And I get very, very concerned. So a lot of the women that I work with over the years is particularly since I've been down in Charleston is really working with young women to resolve their PMS and help them get off, you know, if they're on antidepressant or anxiety medication and it's profound and mm-hmm. you see a difference. You can see a difference in someone's eyes. There's the Shen, there is a light that shines through. We talk about this in Chinese medicine. Shen. And you probably don't know it, but every time you walk in the office or anyone walks in, I always look into their eyes. I even do that when I do my Zoom sessions. I can I can check in on that. You can tell a lot by looking into someone's eyes. Definitely. And I think that's something kind of t- ties into something that I wanted to say and mention that's so notable about my healing process since working with you is that this shift towards healing my physical body and getting to the root causes rather than treating the symptoms has overflowed into other areas of my life. And it's led me down a path of a lot more tending to my mental health and spiritual growth. And even like I see it pour over into my relationships and I'm recognizing that now that I have a better relationship to my personal health, to my body and my own and my soul, I, my, yeah, my loving, my um, relationship to myself right now is far more loving and nurturing than it's ever been. And it, that just overflows into my relationships with my friends, with my family. And that's really exciting for me. I mean, how, how could you not be excited about that? That it, it's not just about healing your physical body, but it will take you down ways of living more intentionally and fully. You are truly a yoga teacher, and I'm sure this comes through every time you teach a class. But that's beautiful, and that's so well said. And I love working with clients like yourself, and I'm finding that I'm having more and more women in their teens and 20s, or just there's this incredible generation coming in that they they want to do the work. Mm. They want a natural approach to their lives, and they want to start uh, bringing a practice into their world of making healthier lifestyle choices, body, mind, and spirit. And I'm seeing more and more of it. And it just, it really excites me. It really, really does. And what would you like to share with women that have PCOS? I think my biggest realization through seeking a holistic path of healing with my PCOS is shifting my mindset around it. Because for so many years, I was told that PCOS is not curable. And it's something that I would just have to live with. And so seeing that I can treat the root rather than the symptoms, I am shifting my perspective from a place of victimhood to a place of where I'm in control. So I'm having 
daily affirmations telling myself that my body is a healing, a powerful healing machine. And like, I am capable of making these changes rather than kind of accepting defeat as I was before in the past with conventional medicine. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, any other woman, I pray and hope that if you have PCOS or other hormonal imbalances, you can seek this help and guidance to then live a fuller and happier life and recognize the power of your body and its regenerative aspects. And how was it for you to work with someone like me? Because this is important. I think a lot of women with PCOS, there's a lot of information out there. Mm -hmm. And I feel that what could help women being on a path that's more guided, that's more individual to their specific needs. So yeah, I can speak on that a lot. I mean, before with conventional gynecologist, I felt very dismissed and unseen and unheard. I was just more like another statistic. So many times they're saying, oh, so many people have PCOS. It's no big deal. Just get on the birth control pill. But since working with you, I feel like you hear everything I'm saying and you're not seeing me as just a client with PCOS, but rather seeing my specific PCOS situation and seeing how we can treat that. And yeah, I just think that's a biggie. I mean, before I would reach out to my gynecologist feeling uncomfortable in my current health situation and I wouldn't hear back for weeks and wouldn't be able to be seen for weeks. But with you, I'm seeing you on the weekly basis. I could call you, you answer right away. And I think that's a biggie with functional medicine is that you are more seen and heard as a person rather than just another patient. And I think another important aspect of this journey is that someone like myself, I look at where you are now, but I'm also thinking ahead of where you are when you choose to have children and when you're in different stages in your life. And women with PCOS, you're at higher risk for cardiovascular issues, you know, type 2 diabetes and estrogen-related cancers. Wouldn't it be fantastic to start addressing that now? So that never enters the conversation. Yes. And that was a concern of mine. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. trying to have kids anytime soon, but when I spoke <laughs> to my gynecologist, I was like, I'm not menstruating even on the pill. And then what happens when I do want to have kids down the road? I mean, am I going to come off mm -hmm. the birth control pill and I won't menstruate? And she was like, oh, mm -hmm. we'll cross that bridge once we get there. That's not a good answer. <laughs> it wasn't comforting. But that's... No. But again, you know, I, it gets me really excited to hear that more and more OBGYNs and gynecologists are starting to study and place an interest in looking for more uh, a functional approach, a more root cause resolution, because, you know, all the information is out there. It's in PubMed reports. I mean, there's so much research on uh, myo-inositol. There's research on berberine and chromium and probiotics and fish oils and zinc and my favorite, uh, sulforaphane. I mean, there's just so much good stuff. So when you combine that with somebody, you know, I consider myself to be a coach. When I can guide women to make healthy life choices, then eventually I want them to take over the steering wheel and just mm -hmm. glide on in life, cruise down that highway and just have an amazing journey and create a ripple effect in the world, empowering other women to be the healthiest version of who they are. I totally agree. So Grace, I want to thank you so much 
for being part of this conversation. You are such a love. Your mama should be so proud of you. And I also, I want to give a shout out to a very special woman, Jessica. Jessica just gave birth to a beautiful uh, baby boy. She did an episode on PCOS at the beginning of the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. Just spoke to her today. We're going to do a check-in and do some nutritional counseling. But I thought it was so funny that she called as I was tweaking this podcast. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Please write in to me at, you know, megrichichi at gmail.com. You can check me out at megrichichi.com. And subscribe to my podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And if you like what you're hearing, let me know and uh, give me a, a thumbs up in ratings. It would be great to hear back. So I have some exciting episodes coming up. I am having Dr. Brittany Henderson back on the show. She is my favorite thyroid person, my favorite thyroid doc, love her dearly. And I am going to have a good friend of mine from DC. We haven't set it up yet, but we're, we're going to make it happen. Whitney Pinger. She is a midwife, probably one of the top midwives in the United States and has helped deliver thousands and thousands of babies and knows so much about women health and I can't wait to have her on the show. And another good friend of mine, Ekneshka, up in New York, very up to a lot of good stuff in the world of branding and women's issues and Buddhism and a lot of cool things. And I will have her on the show. So I want to thank everyone. And until next time, many blessings. Take darn good care of yourself. I love you a lot and uh, be well.